0: Welcome to My Talk, the podcast series brought to you by ISS Market Intelligence. If you're interested in what is happening in the global retail financial services, industry, asset, wealth management, insurance, banking, fintech, you name it, you have come to the right place. Count on My Talk each month to keep you up to date with industry developments, but also to peek uh, under the hood of the, the, the industry headlines with the help of industry experts. And if you enjoy this episode of my talk um, and we have a great guest and a hot topic on our agenda today, subscribe to the podcast for monthly episodes featuring talks with thought leaders in the world of asset and wealth management. My name is Goshka Folda. I'm your host and global head of research at ISS Market Intelligence. And today it is my distinct pleasure to introduce Dennis Gallant, associate director at ISSMI. Now, Dennis and I go a long way back to the 90s when the wealth and asset management business uh, were virtually the new kids on the, on the financial services block. And we had a chance together with Dennis to have a front row seat to see the industry come to the, um, the, the dominant uh, uh, player in the financial services landscape uh, globally. Uh, Dennis has recently joined um, mi and brings with him a wealth of industry knowledge and deep expertise built through a great career in research consulting and advisory. Welcome Dennis and our topic today is certainly one of those topics de jour um, that has been uh, on uh, the minds of asset wealth management uh, and technology executives, which is direct indexing. So to get us started, Dennis, can you tell us a little bit more um, about what is direct indexing? I know it's it's often considered to be a slight misnomer for what it is. And uh, I think that there's still a bit of a mystique around the terminology. So perhaps you can tell us, get us started by telling us about it.
1: Yeah, there's a bit of a debate about uh, direct indexing, and in, in in, is it the proper term to describe this market? I mean, essentially, it's a strategy where the you know, the underlying client or investor holds the underlying securities of the index, right, or replicating that index, right? And unlike a packaged product, right, um, where it's a pooled investment, whether that's an ETF or a mutual fund, the investor has direct ownership, of of those shares, and it has some advantages to that. And a lot of advisors and folks in the marketplace sort of akin these to really indexed SMAs is another term I hear advisors use quite often to describe these type of solutions. So, yeah, um, um, it's a broad term, um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure there may be some changes down the road, but uh, direct indexing is what we're working with, and it's not new, but I think some of the changes in the marketplace are making it
0: new. So now that we've kind of demystified the term itself um, why why is suddenly this such a hot topic what are the kind of the key drivers of the the interest in direct indexing and uh, and uh, possibly what are its uh, benefits
1: so, so again, as I mentioned, direct indexing is, is not a new concept. There are firms um, that have been doing this for decades. Carmetric, uh, Columbia Threadneedle have had solutions in this marketplace um, and, and, and currently have solutions in the marketplace. But it's gone through a, a sort of resurgence and a sort of evolving to a next generation. And there's been a lot of M&A activity around this in firms. And you see a lot in the trade publications around around direct indexing. And it's because direct indexing provides a lot of flexibility. You know, the, our marketplace was built off packaged products, pooled investments. And a lot of that was driven by the fact that, hey, it's really not, not uh, efficient or effective or cost effective to actually be able to own the underlying securities of, of the mutual fund. You have to have that pooled investment. There's, there's not enough to go around. And so a pooled in, investment was something that was, again, more efficient vehicle. Uh, but we've seen advancements in technology and capabilities, fractional shares, more digitalization to really scale up the capabilities where firms are saying, look, you know, we can now uh, really replicate an index and hold underlying securities and do that m- at much more at a, at a scale level. So part of the driver here is that the technology is allowing uh, firms to sort of build your own personal mutual fund or ETF. Um, but there's a larger dynamics going into play here, too, and, and some of the drivers involve this. If you step back a little bit, it's really about this uh, customization and, and uh, personalization. So, you know, as we look at this trend towards uh, uh, investors wanting things tailored to their needs, um, the ability to to uh, tilt it towards ESG or value-based investing um, are, are certainly key drivers and in, in, in I think will, will affect long-term growth. But currently, the mainstay of, of a direct indexing is, you own the underlying individual securities that allows you to do tax-lost harvesting, that allows you to create more tax efficiency. So uh, owning a, 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 a direct index allows you to be more tax efficient. Uh, it allows the asset management firm or the advisor to deliver tax alpha back to the client. And that's very attractive in this current market environment, especially with rising taxes and, and and sort of volatility in the marketplace as well, to be able to say, look, even if we're underperforming, I'm still delivering some benefit with regard to to tax efficiency.
0: Yes, Dennis, and I think as you speak about it, uh, you kind of hit a couple of terms, um, uh, customization and personalization. Is it also the case that unlike before, uh, many of the um, um, investment consumers are coming to the market with their client expectations honed in the world of deep customization, you know, be it Amazon, uh, there's a Goshka store that shows up every time I dial in, or, um, uh, you know, or other uh, the delightful, uh, te- technologically powered and uh, informed uh, interfaces. So it seems to me that this might be, Uh, kind of one that that is going to take off as as the time goes by, and more and more consumers are really looking for that deep customization. And you mentioned both tax efficiency, or the ESG. So I think that's a that's a bit of an intrigue, um, uh, intriguing part. So do you think that there are particular clients that direct indexing is targeting, um, or particular advisors?
1: Yeah, you know, it's mixed. So, again, the, the traditional marketplace, and where a lot of the direct indexing solutions are still targeted to affluent clients, right, who who probably benefit the most from tax alpha. Um, and so, you know, that's still the mainstay of this marketplace. But with the advent of fractional shares, right, which allow you to, you know, really scale this solution, right, and much more digital interfaces, um, you know, we see this potential opportunity of direct indexing moving just beyond not just having and you know, serving the affluent and providing that tax management, but really, as you mentioned, that customization and personalization, which you know, especially with next-gen clients, right? You know, if we look at the next-gen of investors, right, you know, growing up in the Robinhood world and, and 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 wanting that direct ownership. Um, um, wanting things personalized and tailored to their needs. So, um, you know, we know the younger generation is much more ESG oriented as far as investing. So these solutions could be tailor-made to really build a, a, a solution for the, for the individual really tailored to their specific needs, goals, and, and values.
0: And I think to your other point about the fact that today's technology is, I guess, uh, so much more powerful, so much more contemporary – that it actually over time could provide access to this also at scale for much lower minimum than kind of a traditional SMA platform could. Right. And, you know, right now
1: the, the marketplace and the pricing, if you look at direct indexing, you know, their they're price, you know, just below the SMA marketplace, but they still have higher minimums, right? There's still a level of customization that goes into that. Um, but, you know, there are those that foresee this market going down market. Um, you know, while well, most firms are, are are focused on advisors and still that high end, um, you see firms starting to say, look, is this a potential to move down market? And I think Fidelity is a great example of that. You know, as they're rolling out their solution, even though they're still at a 40 basis point price point, they've gone with a $5,000 minimum. And it's a direct to consumer effort as well. So again, I think, as we mentioned, tapping into that next gen client and that appetite and that need for personalization um, is really intriguing. And so you know, we will see these solutions start to move down market. Um, we'll start to see potential minimums drop with other firms. We'll see pricing pressure as well as with anything in this marketplace, right? Um, but I think, you know, what we are seeing is, is this, this marriage between, you know, a, a, the passive marketplace, which has been dominating our flows for, for a couple of decades now, Right, and now you can peer that up with saying, well, you know, but there's ability to tilt and add an active component to this solution. And so direct indexing again allows not only the client to have something personalized, but now the advisors can demonstrate value by helping navigate what that customization is going to be looking like, tilting those, uh, those, uh, those indexes to meet those needs, but also to maybe tilt towards, uh, you know, uh, current market environment. Maybe you're shifting more from growth to value. Um, and this is another opportunity for asset management firms, especially active managers, to say, look, you know, w- you know, we can overlay our expertise because one of the challenges in all of this is, is no matter what, not every direct indexing is going to hold every share in that index, right? Um, whether they're doing whole shares or fractional shares, they're probably carrying a large composite of that uh, replicating that index, but it's not probably going to be 100% of that index. and. And so, you know, firms are always worried about making sure they're still having, you know, low tracking errors to the particular index they're tying into. But, you know, we're still in the early days for this marketplace. There's obviously with the M&A, there's a poise for growth. There's no doubt.
0: Yeah, that is really fascinating. And I think there are probably um, uh, further thoughts on that kind of shift away from the packaged uh, uh, approach, which has been, of course, the hallmark of the, the investment fund industry and asset management, retail asset management, to kind of, uh, you know, the, the the composing of that productization and the investment strategy. But I think you're you're right that potentially this this could enable a lot of. Um, a lot of different players to take advantage of, of um, the ability to customize to clients a very particular needs. So you mentioned Fidelity, you mentioned Parametric. Who are the main players, providers in this market and in direct indexing right now? And do you see any kind of dominant? I know that you've been um, looking at some research coming from, uh, from advisors as well, run by our um, market intelligence team. Um, can you shed some light on that?
1: Sure. So, so it it it's a broad field, right? Of asset managers, investment platform providers, um, um, uh, of you know the TAMP marketplace, custodians who are playing in this marketplace, right? So you've got sort of the dominant players, right? A parametric. Uh, there's a Prio, right? There, there's a number of firms that have been doing this historically Columbia, right? But if you even look at the largest player within that historical realm, they only own 20% of that, 21% of the marketplace, right? And it's very fragmented, and we're talking about a new marketplace. So, you know, the acquisitions you've seen over the years, you've had, you've had Morgan Stanley acquiring Eaton Vance, which is really parametrics, was the component there that feeds into the direct indexing narrative. You had BlackRock with a Prio. Um, Charles, uh, Charles Schwab building out their solution, they acquired Motif, uh, Vanguard and Justin Vest, Franklin Templeton with uh, O'Shaughnessy's Canvas, um, you know, um, uh, Prudential with Green Harvest, uh, BNY Mellon, a Pershing side which is the Custodian acquiring optimal asset management. So again there's a lot of firms coming in from different directions and if you think about it any firm that's got some stake in managing portfolios and managing assets has key components that feed into a direct indexing offering. So, again, there's a lot of firms that say, hey, we have lots of pieces and building blocks to start building our own offering. Um, but it's interesting that, you know, we could see um, these offerings come from asset managers to broker dealers themselves offering solutions and, and pushing it out to their own advisors.
0: Yes, I find that, uh, yeah, that is very fascinating. And uh, this kind of early stage uh, where the field is replete with ideas and how to, how to deploy this, I think is... Is typically the most exciting uh, time to kind of observe the, the the offers evolve. Do you have any thoughts where the assets into the direct indexing programs or platforms are coming from? You know, here I, I think of parallels of uh, you know the the early robo advice uh, launch. You know, the thought was, okay, we're going to get on all, all these new assets that are not advised or um, uh, but we've seen uh, uh, subsequently some of the, the I would say, the most arguably most successful, certainly asset gathering offers and robo or hybrid advice have been where were existing assets uh, could have, uh, you know, were taken from direct and uh, restreamed um, into, um, into robo. So what do you see with uh, direct indexing? Is it new investment assets or... Um, uh, really feeding flows from other uh, product or platforms um, and lines
1: yeah, you know it's still early days right we're still in that nascent stages where growth is coming from and 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 one would quickly think that, oh well, if you can build your own mutual fund in your own in your own living room right or your, or etf well that's where the cannibalization will happen. but you know and, and at least anecdotal conversations with a lot of providers out there and even distributors. You know, then you're saying, look, you know, we think, you know, one of the larger pieces here is new assets. You know, there are a lot of clients that have individual securities and, 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 and other portfolios and maybe older level SMAs or, again, assets are spread all over the place. Um, and they're, and they're left there because in many cases the advisor's saying, look, you know, in transitioning those assets over is creating too much of a taxable event. I couldn't find an equivalent place or a product to really fit that into. And so we've left those assets behind. So they're sitting on a brokerage platform, or they're sitting on a direct brokerage platform, or they're sitting in a, in a, uh, you know, securities off to the side of the client's holding. And so this is an opportunity for advisors to say, look, you know, we can now start to transition a lot of those assets that are sitting outside of an advisory relationship or have spread out across uh, multiple facets in other places. And now we can really bring them in at a minimal impact on the taxes, really tax efficiently managed. So I think for a lot, this is an uptick. I think it's good news for advisors in the industry to say, look, we can bring all the assets under a single umbrella, which is really important, I think, you know, especially as you look at at delivering retirement income into due accumulation we're really looking at the household and you're trying to address and manage client assets at the household level uh the more you can bring your assets into an advisory or a single platform to start managing the assets the more easier the better it is for the client the better it is for the managers and and whether that's an advisor or the the asset management firm i'll add to that though i you know Obviously, there's some potential for SMAs, right? Um, uh, And I'm sure that will be where, you know, maybe it makes sense to put them in a indexed SMA rather than a traditional SMA. So, I'm sure there's going to be some cannibalization and these solutions are meant to go down market. So, there are those that say, yeah, in certain cases, they'll start to challenge the ETF marketplace. But we're not there. And and, uh, and no one here is predicting the end of packaged products by any means, right? There's a time and a place. There's plenty of people who are still under So the opportunity is still good for everyone all around. Uh, but this is just another solution and, and, and firms can offer, along with SMAs and alternatives and different ways of packaging you know, asset management and investment management capability. And it's just another vehicle that that can be used to, you know, manage client assets.
0: Yes, I think you're so right. And, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking is direct indexing the new UMA, you know, because some of that uh, promise of tax efficiency, but again, at a very large scale accounts was, was, uh, you know, the original pitch for the UMAs. But you, uh, I think now, you know, direct indexing is where, a lot of people are really focusing on, on developing and thinking whether that, that could be the platform that really helps um, be advisors or providers to really gain that wallet share, what you were talking about, have that holistic relationship.
1: Yeah, you know, and while there's a lot of capabilities that are needed to deliver uh, uh, direct indexing, right? And fractional shares isn't a requirement, but I think it's key for that next generation a UMA is really essential right that's the platform where this solution is going to live it's where you're going to be able to integrate and place these solutions alongside the advisor's own models or third-party models or the mutual funds you are using your ETFs um, or alternatives right so um, this really is driving you know we we, we've talked about the UMA for years right Um, you know the in in I think direct indexing is sort of ushering the necessity to have a UMA in place right which I think is more of a platform than I think of a product Depending on how people want to characterize it, but yeah, and I think that that it, it really does start that household process, right? So, yeah.
0: so I think it's kind of a cool evolution. So SMAs and then UMA is SMAs plus you know advised assets, et cetera, and then this is just a next layer and then almost a, a platform that that facilitates everything else. But it's all kind of coming together. It's not necessarily displacing each other, but rather a, a, a mode uh, through which you can really also build that wallet share, which is really critical. Um, what do you think where our advisors in the use and uh, adoption of direct indexing? Certainly, we've seen a lot of coverage of the topic, but um, uh, what is uh, some of the research that you're seeing? Um, uh, I know that we've got a very large um, advisor survey in the field, and I know that you have recently gathered some really critical information about uh, what's your feeling?
1: You know, I mean, the advisors are are are, are cautious, right? You know, I think uh, clearly there's interest in the advisor marketplace. Um, you know, we think, you know, um, you know, advisors are are certainly thinking, you know, um, um, you know, especially wirehouse advisors a little higher in our research are, are are more are more familiar or more likely to start currently use direct indexing. But those numbers are still low, right? Less than a third of advisors. And again, a lot of that is still used. You know, think of wirehouses; They're much more, you know, our, our data shows they're, they're higher users of SMAs, which falls right in line with their focus on more affluent clients and that tailored approach and that SMAs provide and that customization and tax management. So it makes sense that that direct indexing. Uh, which is an, essentially an SMA, fits right into that realm. But again, the numbers are still very low. Um, I think advisors are, are going to you know, keep an eye on this. Um, they see it as an interesting solution. Um, but there's a lot of factors that need to come into place to really drive adoption. I think uh, they want to see how these solutions work. Uh, they want to see how they fit within the analytical tools that they're using. Uh, they want to understand how the tools uh, that they're going to interface with Help them with customization and interface with clients, which I think is an area or a challenge still facing the direct indexing marketplace is that front-end engagement capability. Um, And they're certainly not lacking in solutions, uh, investment solutions for meeting client needs today. So while I think direct indexing is attractive and eventually will start to have traction in the advisor marketplace, we're still a few years away from advisors really starting to adopt these solutions. I think there's a wait and see. I want to make sure these are going to be the right solutions moving forward. Um, had you asked me over a year ago or even two years ago where direct game design was, I might have said, you know, well, we're you know, more than two or three years away from from really getting a lot of traction. I think uh, it's accelerating faster than I thought, um, but it's still years away, a couple of years at least. Um, but we'll see. You know, I think I think the uh, this fourth quarter and certainly 2023 uh, um, is going to be a really interesting year. Uh, that's when you see Schwab and, and a lot of other firms really rolling out their new solutions, Fidelity, and we'll see where the attraction goes there. Uh, and don't just count that there's a consumer element here as well. Um, much like you hear a lot of consumers talk about cryptocurrency, you know, direct indexing is going to get into the, into their uh, narrative as well. And so advisors need, even if they're not offering them, they have to be aware that consumer awareness might be rising with these solutions as well. Again, driven by that element of customization, everyone likes things personalized to to their way of looking at things. So, um, so it's definitely going to going to build, but it's not happening tomorrow.
0: Yes, Dennis, and I think that a couple of points that that I think uh, uh, I, I really gleaned from what you're saying that in many ways, um, that flexibility that is the hallmark of direct indexing, um, enabled by technology, is really also the idea that. Advisors are increasingly having you know great flexibility in what solutions and what platforms and and how to assemble portfolios or how to pick uh, packaged products. I think that more and more uh, power in the hands of advisors and ultimately, as you pointed out um, investors so i I like to think that um, you know, it still seems like a pretty far-fetched idea for a lot of advisors and a lot of providers. But uh, I don't know, it seems like to me that um, what the, the past three years have taught us is that change is slow until it's fast. <laughs> so we could yeah. possibly, uh, you know, do you see that maybe the next couple of years we're going to see some, as you pointed out, some big players come come back with that, uh, hopefully well-baked ideas and, and maybe move this uh, this ahead
1: yeah no i definitely think as as advisors start to get a feel and as these new releases and these next-gen solutions come out and the interfaces that come with it it may really help with that acceleration you know and i think it's good news for the advisor one it provides them another solution and another way to demonstrate value in front of clients you know we talk about this move to a holistic advice right And, and and it's a good thing but it's not an easy transition and not every client across the advisors client base you can justify the time and effort for doing and delivering uh, holistic advice so you know um you know this is another way for them to demonstrate their value in investment management and providing that tailored and customization so i think that value proposition is very strong um and advisors are just wanting to make sure that look you know uh just like they are with esg you know there's sort of demand there but You know it's not crystal clear exactly you know when you're talking about customization how far down does it go how long is it going to take me to tie that in and is the the level of customization in tax alpha going to be beneficial enough for the client to demonstrate that value versus the fee they're paying for that customization so there's a lot of things that i think they want to see i think that the outlook is good and i think it's positive it's going in that direction um but advisors are you know Creatures of, of, you know, I mean, the last thing I want to do is 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 move to a new solution that didn't deliver or what what was promised, right? So expect them to be cautious, but I do expect the, the emphasis of major players in this industry. If you look at all the players we mentioned earlier, right? Um, there's a lot of coverage here, and uh, and uh, and I think there'll be even more direct indexing players out here. So it'll be really interesting in what that dynamic looks like. You know, there were others that made similarities, you know, comparisons to the ETF market, right? It was a slow burn, and then it just started to really accelerate, and many feel that that's going the same trajectory. I'm not sure I'm convinced that it'll have the same concentration of managers controlling the marketplace like ETFs. And certainly, we don't have to get over the whole passive thing, right, Um, which I think was a hard part for the ETF marketplace on a slower burn to kind of build up. Um, Like I said, you know, what's to prevent a – a broker-dealer from, you know, leveraging third-party tools, including ones offered by asset managers, uh, to start building their own direct indexing solutions and create models for their end clients. So, again, this is a marketplace that I think there's going to be lots of players and I think it's going to be a, a fragmented but positive uh, for for the industry.
0: Yes, thank you, Dennis. That's uh, really thoughtful and uh, I agree with you. I think that, you know, that uh, kind of slow burn for ETFs and, and that, domination, but very few players is also connected to the fact that, of course, that is truly a business that needs scale because of the, the margins and the, the fees are, are trim and so are margins. So you truly need um, uh, almost a super scale, if you will. Uh, but I think direct indexing, I can see that uh, clearly the investment technology and you mentioned fractional uh, shares, etc. It's, it's definitely a lift but to the extent that there are more players and providers or uh, third-party vendors providing this capability to broker-dealers and to advisors, I think that, that there is probably the path, you know, th- there's not such a need to arrive at a very trim number of providers. So I think that it it's, it may well be a more egalitarian marketplace, if you will.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and, and because of the customization, right? There isn't sort of a lock on one particular, you know, there. Are how many large cap ETF providers and solutions do you need, right? And how many different ways can you can you push it out there? But 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 we we do have to remember that while direct indexing has had its historic roots in the SMA marketplace, right? We're you you know scale is important but it's not as a requirement because you're dealing with much more affluent clients and you're tailoring it but as this becomes more down market and effort it is important to have that scalability maybe you don't need that mega scale of of traditional indexing but you need scale the ability to you know trade and, and create efficiencies in trading the ability to scale and make sure that you know thinking about you know in a mutual fund right you're not getting a confirm for every trade that the underlying that the portfolio manager is making and in etf guess what it's generating every change is going to generate a confirm so again how are we handling reporting and statements and what have you so there's a whole digital component here and that's where i think a race of these components and firms are they're building that digital infrastructure to allow you to scale the trading uh the rebalancing um you know creating the index uh the reporting element all these have to work at scale and, and the industry moving in that direction. But as a, as, a, as you mentioned, right, I think it's going to be more egalitarian, right? There's not going to be, I think, I mean, there'll be the dominant players to some degree, but not to level concentration. I think at least, at least in my guess I could be wrong, uh, but it'll be five years from now or so or before we really know. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be the concentration that we see in, in, in the historical package product market.
0: Yes, and Dennis, you know, that is why I love talking to you. I always learn so much. It almost uh, feels unfair that I have access to you now through uh, being colleagues at the Market Intelligence, so I can chat with you um, quite often. And I hope this con- conversation is, as I mentioned, uh, one of, of uh, many to come. Always uh, feel free um, to, t- to ping us and uh, let us know. Uh, What you would like for us to talk about, or who um, among industry luminaries you might be interested to hear from. Um, And that is a wrap for this month. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to uh, the My Talk podcast to stay up to date with our monthly. Episodes, and actually, because we paused for August, uh, being the summer month, we're going to have um, a couple more episodes coming up uh, in fairly short order. Uh, we have uh, some really great topics coming up: the the science of wholesaling, investment funds, um, and uh, uh, a, a reflection from um, uh, from our uh, UK unit, uh, some really interesting ideas about um, kind of prepackaged model portfolios and the evolution of that concept um, uh, in the UK. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you, Dennis, once again, for being our guest this month.
1: Thank you, Gashka. Thanks for having us. And, and thank you to all your listeners.
0: Thank you.